大家好啊 ，Welcome to the Way Into the Dragon Podcast, a show that takes an in-depth look at Hong Kong cinema from an Asian and Western cultural perspective. I'm Edwin, a Chinese American who grew up in the States, and I'm looking to re-explore my cultural heritage through the lens of films. On this journey, I'll be joined by my co-host Matthias, an Italian who is one of the most knowledgeable Hong Kong film enthusiasts I know. Buongiorno, I'm Matthias, an Italian globetrotter who has been living in China for the past 13 years. Together with Edwin, I will be discussing Hong Kong's films, both past and present. Digging through the archives and talking to industry veterans. In the process, we will uncover the stories and cultural context behind genre staples to forgotten classics. So whether you are new to Asian cinema or a seasoned film buff, we invite you to join us on a journey to discover what makes Hong Kong cinema so special. Eventually, things progressed, and before I knew it, I was regularly running on rooftops, riding motorcycles onto moving trains, and rolling off vans onto oncoming traffic. Don't try that at home, okay? There were injuries, as you can imagine, but with every nick and scratch and bruise and fractured vertebrae, I came back better and braver. Learning how to fall teaches you how to land, and learning to land. Gives you the courage to jump higher. 2023 has been a great year for Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, absolutely. And what better way than using this powerful statement by her to start an episode on women in Hong Kong cinema? Yeah, indeed, brother. And、uh, behind that beautiful smile and face lies one tough cookie. You know, I mean, if if you ever get your butt kicked by anybody, it better be her, man, because it 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 eases it eases the pain if someone is that charismatic, really. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, if I got my butt kicked by Michelle, <laughs> I know it would be the stuff of legends for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. But、uh, what, what do you think makes Michelle Yeoh so special? Oh yeah, it's a good question. I mean,、um, the fact that I mean, if if you consider that she's been around. For more than four decades, I think that's that's already very special in itself, and then、mm-hmm. definitely that you know the fact that she's reinvented herself、right. continuously. Just look at all the different kind of roles she played across multiple、mm-hmm. movie genres, you know. And then look at her background. I mean, she she was trained as a ballet dancer and then made it to a martial arts film star, and then subsequently、mm-hmm. won an Oscar for for、oh, yeah. you know for best actress. You know, I think that's proof enough of. Of her versatility and and you know, of her persistence, you know, and I do think that's that's what makes her really a, a role model for many in the film industry, and I think especially to younger actresses, you know, in in the martial arts and action film genre, such as、uh, people like you know Maggie Q or or Gigi Yanin, Veronica、mm-hmm. or Maria Tran, Gina Carano, all of these ladies surely must have watched. Michelle, you know, I, either in their teenagehood or you know, yeah, or even up to now,、screen. you know, yeah. yeah, absolutely, you know. But then again, you know, while while Michelle was, you know, or has been an outstanding performer both in Hong Kong and Hollywood films, women had been present in Hong Kong films since the early days, you know. And there are multiple actresses that had a long-lasting impact on the Hong Kong film industry and beyond, right, Edwin? Yeah, that's a great point. That's why this question actually points to a deeper discussion about female actresses in the Hong Kong movie industry, and we need to look at how yeah, yeah, the role、yeah. evolved throughout the years, which is exactly what、yeah. we explored with Professor Gina Marchetti in this episode, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Um, Professor Maketi, uh, for everybody out there, is uh, a very renowned scholar in the field of Hong Kong cinema and gender studies. And she's currently the chair of the Department of Humanities and Media Studies at the Pratt Institute in New York. And she was actually also a professor at our alma mater, the University of Hong Kong, uh, where she has been teaching. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> at the Department of Comparative Literature. So it was really a great discussion with her. Uh, we got a lot of insight. And um, yeah, we learned a lot in this episode. And, yeah, definitely. And I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Uh, it was a great one. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. Yeah, let's do it, man. So uh, welcome, Professor Maketi. Sure. Ha- happy to be here. And I'm really excited to hear about your your thoughts, too, as uh, dedicated viewers of Hong Kong cinema and what you think of the women both in front of. I know you're talking a lot about the women mm-hmm. in front of the camera, but I'll also bring up the women behind the camera who've been extremely influential in the industry as well. For Definitely. sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of want to start this with looking at Michelle Yeoh because she got her start in the movie industry from Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s, Hong Kong cinema. And now she's really made a big splash in Hollywood and just the international film scene. I think it's a good time to look at other than, you know, of course, we'll look at Michelle's career, but also some of the other female actresses that were her contemporaries or came before her or after her. So I guess we'll, we'll start from yeah. probably like the sixties and then maybe Matisse yeah. can go through some of the movies uh, during that period or some of the people that we should look at first. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I come obviously from a fan angle. So the first kind of uh, female warriors that I saw in films were like, uh, yeah, Chang Pei Pei or Polly Shang Kwan or Xu Feng. I would say s- some of the, most defining films that from the 60s period were Come Drink With Me or Dragon Inn. Yeah, I think what kind of surprised me, though, when I saw these uh, films was that basically King Hu, the director of Come Drink With Me or Dragon Inn, he portrayed women actually in a very powerful way, like really strong women, right? Whereas later on, directors like Chang Chi from the Shaw Brothers um, if you compare, for example, uh, one of his classes from the 60s, One Arm Sourceman, in there, the female character had a, a very different role. So I, I kind of compare these two directors in terms of two opposites, basically. Do you kind of agree on that, Professor Marchetti? Yeah, I do. Actually, that's uh, the way in which they generally talked about that uh, in the 1960s, King Hu really valued the uh, women uh, as warriors, which is a long tradition. As you know, you guys have gone through the wuxia tradition and in wuxia literature mm-hmm. and film that came after the female warrior was often a very important figure mm-hmm. fighting for righteousness and justice. And occasionally, particularly in the 60s, um, with kind of international rise in, in mm-hmm. uh, women's movement and in women's issues, uh, mm-hmm. people began to look at that history in a different way and look at these women as empowered, fighting often against a rapacious male villain or against, mm-hmm. you know, fighting for the righteousness within the family or what have you. So reviving those kinds of legendary figures like Mulan or women generals of the Yang family and all of these kinds of legendary and historical figures were revived mm-hmm. in the 60s, you know, as a result. And I think if you're looking specifically at that change, a lot of people attribute the change from the female-centered narratives of King Hu he was very influenced by Peking opera, 
and these mm, legendary yes. female figures, generals and warriors and, and wonderful martial roles like the White Snake characters from the legendary operas. He was influenced by all of that and wanted to bring that spirit into his filmmaking. And he loved the elegance of swordplay. So when he encountered someone like Cheng Pei Pei, who had a background in dance, he was very mm -hmm. excited because he could incorporate that kind of love that he had for Peking opera into mm -hmm. the film medium, blending what he was learning from the Japanese uh, swordplay films that were very popular at the time, the samurai movies, and marry that to, instead of that kind of masculine samurai ethos that was coming from Japan, rather marry it to the Chinese opera tradition, which had these mm. glorious female figures and that elegance that he yeah, loved. Absolutely. So you see something like that in uh, Come Drink With Me. Mm -hmm. mm, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That people say that the coming from across the border, because it was the Cultural Revolution, kind of rise of a very militant masculinity, Maoism from across the border, that Hong Kong directors reacted to that by favoring then this kind of, uh, you know, Chang Che's, you know, uh, excessive masculinity and kind of bloody, oftentimes gory, uh, masochistic displays of men being inflated uh, on right. swords and all that kind of thing. And that kind of move from the female character and that elegance to this bloodier, rawer kind of uh, swordplay and martial artistry that characterized his films. And mm -hmm, that mm -hmm, came mm -hmm. instead, you know, the rise of the, of the male uh, martial arts uh, uh, figure and paving the way eventually for Bruce Lee. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. But King Hu still had an influence and the women did not go away. And into the 1970s, obviously, Angela Mao Ying and many other wonderful martial arts performers. And of course, Angela Mao Ying was, was herself trained in the martial arts mm -hmm. and was, you know, extraordinary in terms of her approach to the ways in which that she uh, worked with choreographers in order to bring more of a kind of an authentic sense of martial artistry, particularly Korean mm -hmm. martial arts, uh, into mm -hmm. the Hong Kong mainstream and a contemporary of Bruce Lee, and sometimes she doesn't get the credit she deserves. Yeah, Yeah, true. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned also um, Peking Opera, because the, the, the Peking Opera part is very obvious in his films, and it's very obvious as well that dance carries also a, a, a quite a big importance, right? Um, I mean, a lot, I mean, Cheng Pei Pei, as you mentioned, was in fact a dancer, mm -hmm. Uh, as is Michelle yes. Yeoh, right? As is Michelle Yeoh. Yes. So in yeah. fact, dance yeah. uh, was was incorporated, um, uh, I would say, from a fight choreography perspective, having this kind of background in dance definitely helped um, these artists also to um, to basically look more uh, graceful, like mm -hmm. more elegant, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, Angela Mao Ying as well, I think, did, did she have a, a dance background as well? I, I think so. Yeah, she also came from Peking Opera. Yeah, yeah, but she also trained in um, Hapkido. So oh, yes, yes. Well known yes. Kind of bringing Hapkido into uh, Hong Kong consciousness and bringing the, you know, a lot of people don't realize, um, I was mentioning the influence of Japanese uh, samurai films, but also Korean martial arts, uh, the Korean mm -hmm. industries really 
had a certain kind of influence. Remember, the Hong Kong films appealed across Asia. Yeah, right, it's right. interesting that you mentioned that. In fact, um, it was, I think, director Huang Feng, right? They had that wave of those Kung Fu films with Angela Mao, during which they actually went to South Korea to study Taekwondo. So there was yes. like when Taekwondo strikes, and then there was the film Hapkido, actually, right? So for, for that, she actually did learn that martial art. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So this is all this kind of East Asian melting pot of uh, that really was an incubator for the kind of uh, Hong Kong cinema that people know around the world today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Also, I want to go back and talk a little bit more about the woman warrior character you mentioned. You talked about mm -hmm. Peking opera as an influence, but what about Chinese historical literature? For example, I can think of the story of Mulan, and I think it deals with a lot of similar themes. Um, I, I just find it fascinating to see females take on these masculine mm -hmm. character roles in Hong Kong cinema as early as the 1960s, because that's very different from how females were depicted in films in the Western world at that time. Yeah, sure. I think a lot of people find that really intriguing. Mm -hmm. And this comes from, as you point out, a long cultural tradition. And the woman, woman warrior is a figure that has long been part of Chinese culture, certainly going back to dynastic China. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times yes. they continue to be resonate, I think, today, even in films like um, uh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, you see the same kind of character appear as a rebel, as someone who is not just a force of anarchy, although they can mm -hmm. be occasionally, but also a force of righteousness, trying to push back mm -hmm. against things that yep. are taken for granted. So as much as people talk about, you know, the oppressiveness of uh, Confucian patriarchy and feudal system, mm -hmm. there's always, yep. whenever there's an oppressive presence in a culture, there's always a subversive rebelliousness. And uh, the woman warrior handles that in, in kind of interesting ways because she's subversive and a rebel, but she's also very often fighting for to reinstate the legitimacy of the family or the state or the, mm. the honor of, of a family that otherwise might be uh, keeping her uh, under its thumb. I think Mulan is a perfect story mm -hmm. of that mm -hmm. with a woman who is, uh, breaks all the rules of being a woman, breaks all the rules of the patriarchal household in order to fight for the man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because when I was watching um, Come Drink With Me, actually, I, I just watched it recently and kind of discovering because Matthias was telling me about this movie for such a long time. And I found it really interesting that Champe Pei's character, when, when she she's in the inn and the thieves encounter her and they, they assume that uh, she's a man. Yeah. Yeah. Even though <laughs> there there is a history of these woman warrior or there's a, a lineage of that, but there's still also still... I don't know. They, they're still assuming that it's a male. Within the movie, it's like a norm for them yeah. that it could be like a woman warrior. You know, yeah, like it's a so that they have to go through a process <laughs> where they discover that it's a female. And then cause it, it's kind of very stereotypical, maybe not in the 60s, yeah. but when I'm watching it now at this time, yeah. I see it's not until in the middle of the movie, she is very feminine and she's yes. wearing a dress, you know, like a traditional kind of uh, uh, female attire that yeah. they, oh, they notice that she's a lady. And then well, what kind of things shift, right? Well, you have to remember, too, that uh, King Hu is dealing with a tradition in which all those roles used to be played by men. 
So oh, Pinky all, right. Mascot, <laughs> all of the performers were men. Oh, so that right, all right, of these right, characters, right. these female warriors were played by men. So oh, that yeah. when the women then come in and, and begin to play these roles, mm-hmm. they're playing roles that had been designed for men to, in their imagination of what a strong woman could be, because in the real world, it's impossible. In the real world, you know, the, these characters are either so legends of the past that people have, you know, no way of accessing or, or uh, figments of the imagination, like goddesses mm-hmm. and fairies and that kind of thing. So interesting. Women were performing martial arts worlds long before King Who's films. And uh, so all through the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, when women on screen began to do things that only men had been doing on stage, mm-hmm. speaking opera, there was a real shift because these women did show that indeed women could perform as women warriors in these fantasies exactly. mm-hmm. and that they brought to it a different sense of the performance because obviously with the camera being closer to the performer's face and body, there was a certain kind of intimacy and a certain kind of embodiment that had not been there on stage. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah. there was yeah. opening up at the same time, obviously, a new way of looking at women after the end of the feudal era with you know the Republican era and then the Japanese war period. Women were being looked at quite differently in society. They were taking on new roles, working in factories. They were working mm-hmm. they were soldiers in the army very often at that right. state. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Fighting the Japanese, you know, this mm. is history. And people wanted to see women doing things that they hadn't been seen doing in um, Chinese literature and art before. And one of those things was reimagining the woman warrior as an actual woman. Right. And not dressed yeah. as a yeah. man, dressed as a woman, who could be revealed to be hiding as a woman, dressed as a man, which often happened <laughs> in these kinds of stories. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, we kind of talked a lot about the Peking Opera and how that influenced uh, a lot of the films and also the characters and the roles. When we talk about these actresses, Angela Maoying or Chan Pei Pei, like they, they're from the sixties and seventies, and then once we hit the eighties and nineties, where Michelle kind of gets introduced into the discussion, yeah. um, there's yeah. this thing about you know screen fighting, which is a lot of like the beautiful kind of choreography and the sword play within like the 60s and 70s and some a lot of these King Hu movies, it's, it's kind of acting it out. It doesn't really feel like a brutal kind of very, you know, real world kind of fighting, but it's more about the beauty of it. But then when you get exactly. to the 80s and 90s, yeah, Matthias mentions a lot of the amazing martial arts choreography and actresses like Cynthia Rothrock or, um, yeah. you know, Karen uh, Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yukari Ushima, right? Japanese yeah. as well. Again, you see Michiko Nishiwaki. I mean, they all were, yeah, kind of represented. And some of and these actresses who have a martial arts background and how that contrasts with actresses that who come from more of a dance background, I think that's quite interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you see that kind of shift in the tone of some of the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you also have Michelle, who is trained in, in as a ballet dancer, but then she totally kicks ass on the screen too. So <laughs> it's <laughs> absolutely um, yeah. She holds her on with Cynthia Rothrock and things like Yes, Madam, and some of the things yeah. they've done together. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they were they're paired often in the earlier days in the in the eighties. So mm-hmm. yeah, yes, and she's um, 
there was a shift too. I mean, you have to think too about the shift in the martial arts films. There was a shift away from martial arts uh, them, as, as the focus of some of these films and more toward uh, action. So mm -hmm. particularly with Chance films, even though they still uh, have a lot of martial arts woven into them, after yeah. the Kung Fu comedies that he was known for, and then the Kung Fu comedies featuring the women, like Yes, Madam, there was a real yeah. shift with Jackie Chan into these kind of international action films that he mm. worked with Michelle Yeo on. Yes. So when the two of them were working together, it was more of a sense of um, the danger of the stunt, the, mm -hmm. uh, right. the yeah. challenge of the stunt, rather than the choreography of a of a you know a martial arts scene of a fight. So yeah, exactly. uh, that's where things became more dangerous, particularly in the late 80s and 90s when these films became really popular. Yes, exactly. It's quite interesting that you mentioned Jackie Chan because, in fact, um, if, if you look at movies like Yes, Madam, or, for example, Police Story, again, like the, the opposites I mentioned with King Hu and, and, and Chang Che, like in Police Story, for example, you had like Maggie Jung and, and Bridget Lin Xinxia, right? Bridget Lin, um, yeah. Yeah, Bridget mm -hmm. Lin, exactly, right? But in, in, that, in that movie, they actually didn't perform martial arts, but they did literally get thrown around. There were some quite dangerous oh, stunts yeah. for them to do. Right? So actually, uh, so actually, the interesting thing Maggie is they, they were like, yeah, was on the escalator at that ending scene. Yes, and, you know, people exactly. remember the mall scene. Now, Bridget Lynn <laughs> did fight quite a lot in that film. So I have to yeah. say that she was holding her own in terms of the choreography. And she always yes. did a very good job with her choreography as well. Absolutely. But Maggie Chung is not, not known for this. And Maggie Chung had to do her own stunts in that. And I think it looked like she was really getting, you know, kind oh, of thrown shoot. around, particularly mm, yes. on those escalators and those stairwells exactly. in, the, in the shopping mall. So these are women who, um, you know, paid a price really for acting in the Hong Kong films at the end of the day. So that, that's why it made such an impact on me. I mean, they, they, they were actually playing quite, um, beautiful and, and sweet looking women. I mean, she, like Maggie Jung was, was like, uh, Jackie Chan's, uh, girlfriend in that film, right? And, yeah. and all of a sudden, yes. at the end, she performs these crazy stunts, right? And then the opposite for yeah. me was, I mean, when I was, when, when I watched, um, Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock in Yes, Madam, mm -hmm. which was kind of mm -hmm. similar, right? Because both movies are like police, uh, police ma main characters, yeah. right? Uh, and, and in, in Yes, Madam, I was completely mesmerized because it, it, it was like completely the opposite. I mean, yeah, you had these really, uh, beautifully looking women, but they were really kicking butt literally. And, and there were like, mm -hmm. I remember like one scene specifically that, that really left me, uh, yeah, jaw dropping because in, in, in that scene, Michelle Yeoh in the final fight, um, she slips backwards through, through glass, right? Yeah. Off a guardrail with her legs like firmly clinched on it, right? And then yeah. throws two bad guys. While she's doing that, she, she picks two bad guys and, and, you know, gets their legs and throws them through the glass at the same time and then gets herself back upright. I mean, that stunt was something that I had never seen before. And then it was done by a woman, right? So that, that mm. left a very long lasting impression on me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's an underrated film, I think. Oh. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting how you have like the 1670s and you have the woman warrior, that character, and it kind of extends to the eighties and nineties. Um, with even more uh, difficult stunts. Yes. Right? I, I kind of want to also look outside that role. Do you think there was like a, a stigma in terms of 
how Hong Kong female actresses, they kind of got stuck in that role. Like they were, they're good at fighting or something like that, that kind of, kind of got attached to it. And then like for them to find other roles, um, was, was it difficult or that there wasn't anything like that? And there was actually a diversity in terms of the roles that female actresses in Hong Kong would take on. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there, there was a big change, I think, around the same time that the martial arts films were changing in the early 70s. There's also a change kind of in the industry worldwide and more of a demand for softcore porn. So oh, a lot okay. of uh, women uh, ended up, you know, kind of filtering into that end of the industry. And that was really a stigma for them. But because the industry is always, uh, you know, a friend of mine's written a book on this, uh, and I highly recommend it, Sylvia Martin's book, Haunted, which is a comparison of the Hong Kong and the Hollywood industries. Yeah. And she talks a lot about the stigma that women experience just being actresses mm. or even yeah. you know, just being uh, stunt people or working as extras or working in the industry mm -hmm. at all. The industry True. has such a bad reputation for treating women badly. And True. it's assumed that you're your morals are low or you're, or you're somehow lack because you're working yeah. in the industry. But when the uh, category three movies and these mm -hmm. kind of soft core B movies became really a major part of the industry, it even got yeah. worse for women. So that just being oh, a yeah, yeah. In the industry at all, unless you were a huge star, you were just considered dirt. So yeah, that really, yeah. yeah. that's really uh, good point. That, that, that really reminds remind me reminds of like the nineties, like, yeah, in the uh, early 90s, like, I was about so to say, many... actually, no, not really the 90s, sorry if I interrupt you. I actually uh, thought it, mm -hmm. it reminds me a lot of the 70s uh, with a director called Kuei Chi Hong. I mean, I like some of his martial arts movies, mm -hmm. but he did two movies, uh, one called The Bamboo House of Dolls and the other one, Virgin of the Seven Seas, which I think, um, yeah, perfectly represent what, what, uh, what Gina just talked about. That, that was like pure exploitation. I mean, The Bamboo House right. of Dolls, uh, which was basically like a, a prisoner of war kind of movie, but focused on females. And there was like torture, murder, rape going on in there. And, and then another one, like, which was Vir Virgin of the Seven Seas, right? Like where five Western women were like kidnapped by Chinese pirates and then sold to a brothel. I mean, that, I think these mm -hmm. two movies were like, I, I would say, um, yeah, quite, uh, symbolic of that kind of wave of, yeah, exploitation, sexploitation movies that, that, that were, mm -hmm. yeah, going on at that time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because for me, growing up, I remember in the, like the late 90s and the early noughties, just uh, I would see a lot more movies where female roles were not, they were not strong female roles, but more they were kind of mm -hmm. subservient or they were kind of the victim in a lot of yeah. these, especially the crime movies. Yeah. So I guess, you know, the Young and Dangerous, the, the, the series of movies kind of kickstarted mm -hmm. a lot of gangster triad movies, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like there'd be so many of these low budget movies. And then it would always be some family man, like the, the husband borrows money and then he's not able to pay it. And then basically the wife or, or the girlfriend or has to kind of pay, uh, pay it back. And then there's like these really brutal kind of, whether it be rape or, you know, like physical yeah. violence. And there was yeah, like a yeah, lot yeah. more of that during that period, I think. Whereas like in the eighties, I kind of get reminded of more of female actresses. They were like kick ass, right? They were yeah. like Michelle or Cynthia Rothrock. And I mean, I, I, I would say actually more, more than having kickstarted it, like movies like Young and Dangerous, they are like a consequence probably of what started in the mid eighties, right? With a better tomorrow. I mean, the whole triad kind of movie was probably mm -hmm. 
really influenced from 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 that kind of time period onwards. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in the seventies, you had these kind of movies like uh, Man of Iron, right, or Chinatown Kid from the Shaw Brothers. They were also yeah. triad focused. Yeah. And and the women, in mm-hmm. fact, were always in that kind of yeah supporting role, you know, um, weak characters. And the same happened in John Woo movies mm-hmm. as well, right? The killer, yes. uh, Better Tomorrow. The female is more of a supporting role, uh, supporting you morally, but then still very weak. Um, so I think probably, I, I don't know if that's probably a consequence of John Woo being the assistant director of Chang Chi. I don't know if he was influenced by that kind of macho style. I don't mm. know. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that yeah, that's a, certainly <laughs> that was a trend that went against the strong female characters that they were not interested in that, and that yeah, uh, uh, you know most of the most of those directors just did not just were not did not care about the women characters that much, or if they did, they they as you say they they really fit into these really strictly defined kind of roles where they had to mm-hmm. be the nurturer, the victim, mm-hmm. the True. You know, yeah. the long-suffering love interest, you know, the put-upon woman. Uh, So, yeah, very different. But you have to realize, you know, uh, it's even though one kind of filmmaking may have dominated at certain periods, that there was always the other side of it was always there. So at the same time Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, John Woo was popular also, there Mm -hmm. was a lot of other, uh, you know, films featuring Bridget Lynn or featuring these other kinds of uh, female characters that were more interesting. So Hong Kong film has never been kind of one dimensional. It's always been a really exactly. multi-dimensional industry. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that's why I agree with you about the nineties. In fact, I mean, you mentioned Sourceman, which uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the trilogy I absolutely love. And then in the, in the nineties, you do in fact seen, uh, you see a lot of changes. I think like movies like heroic trio, where you have like yes. Michelle Yeoh, yes. Anita Mui, Maggie mm-hmm. Cheung, very tough women or uh, Avenging Quartet, right, yeah. uh, where you have all these, uh, I, I wouldn't call them secondary stars, but I mean, Cynthia Khan, Moon Lee, and then you had like Yukari Oshima, Michiko Nishiwaki that, yeah. that appeared at this uh, quartet of very tough women. And then you even yeah. get some of the, you know, kind of genre melting uh, going on, like with movies like Naked Killer, right, where you have like a, yeah. a lesbian, mm-hmm. a lesbian uh, killer, um, you know, or raped by an angel, these kind of more erotic uh, focused mm-hmm. movies, right? There's a lot of changes happening. In all... Exploitation, but maybe with an edge. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? More with a thriller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> right, 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 right. So we covered the 80s and 90s. Now we move to the 2000s and afterwards. And I want to kind of look at Michelle Yeoh again. And Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is definitely... To me, I feel like it kind of brought that wuxia sort of Chinese culture uh, to Hollywood, to Western audiences. Yeah, it was was mm -hmm. tremendously popular. It's Mm -hmm. uh, one of the films where, you know, I think it has really interesting moments. I think Michelle Yeoh is very interesting in it. I think uh, Zhang Zi did a fabulous job, tried really hard. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, but the way he depicted Cheng Pei Pei just broke my heart. Making Cheng Pei Pei (laughs) into the villain. I agree. Broke my heart. Though it helped to revive mm. Chang Pei Pei's career after she had kind of left the industry for a while. You know, I was happy to see her back on screen and, you know, but uh, I, I, just, <laughs> not I, I cannot forgive the film for turning her into the villain. I just can't. So, yeah, totally uh, agree. <laughs> but I have to say, it was one of the films when it was uh, popular in the U.S. It was one, a lot of people tell me it was the first time that they saw so many different kinds of people in the audience 
for a film with subtitles. So that I thought was quite good. Uh, I also felt that Ang Lee, because he had been in the U.S. for so long and been educated in the U.S. at you know NYU and developed roots here in the U.S., I think he mm -hmm. really understood the U.S. audience in a way that a lot of other directors across the Chinese-speaking world didn't. And because of that, I think that he was able to translate the wuxia into a way that could appeal across cultural borders and that obviously he brought a lot of new fans into the audience for martial arts movies. So I can't fault him for that as much as I might not be a mm -hmm. particularly <laughs> fond of that particular movie. Yeah. I, I kind of um, find it interesting too, like when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, when it came out, I was in, I, I believe I was in, in Hong Kong at the time and talking to people that have never seen a wuxia movie and speaking to people who have, who are very familiar with it, um, especially a lot of locals in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. When I talk about, you know, how Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon got so many awards and everything. And I was talking to a lot of my local friends and to them, they don't see it as being that amazing. I guess for them, it's something that they've seen before. And in some of the, the scenes, I remember when um, Michelle's character is pursuing Zhang Ziyi's yeah. character, which is- uh, Over the yeah, rooftops. And, I mean, yeah, the wire yeah, work yeah, over yeah, the yeah. rooftops is very nice. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, kind yeah. of, you know- Beautifully the, shot. The, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the light footedness, the, the qinggong is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of light, light martial artistry where they're floating almost and they're, they're, they're tiptoeing across those rooftops. It's just really exactly. beautiful. I mean, that was a beautiful scene. But of course, it had been done before. I mean, wire work, Choi Hark had been doing a decade of yeah. really advanced wire work with choreography, you know, in the Wong Fei Hong series and also with Bridget Lin in the Swordsman series. So, you know, this is something that obviously Hong Kong audiences had already were accustomed to and didn't seem to be so remarkable. It was nicely done, but not remarkable or different. Definitely, mm -hmm, definitely. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add, like, uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, to me as a fan, also showed a lot more maturity as an actress from Michelle mm -hmm. Yaw's side, I think. I mean, it start, I mean, to, to me personally, I mean, yeah, of course, at the beginning, I started to see her as a martial artist. But at the end of the 90s, beginning of 2000, you already start to see a big change in, the, in what kind of movie she was doing, right? I mean, she did Akam, right, which is my absolute favorite non-martial arts film from her. Mm -hmm. um, and that also one, she was fantastic. Also, director and Hoi for that one. Ah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. That's a that's a one of Hong Kong's best directors. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Romans of Book and Sword also beautiful. For yes. anybody who's interested in her martial arts films, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I could see as a fan that she basically really was improving from all different angles. I mean, she was not just anymore that kind of you know butt kicking woman that I I learned to love since the mid eighties. But she had become mm -hmm. a very, very, I would say, diversified and versatile actress, right? Mm -hmm. And and that kept going on from then onwards, right? Well, mm -hmm. she mm -hmm. portrays uh, Aung San Suu Kyi and the lady and mm -hmm. does a lot right. of these more dramatic mm -hmm. roles. I think she was in Memoirs of the Geisha, maybe not the yes. film, but she had a dramatic role in it. So she was getting a lot of different kinds of roles. Also, um, I think that when she got to be the Bond girl, exactly uh, right. The opposite yeah, right. Pierce Brosnan, that showed another aspect of her character or her, her exactly. flexibility and her range. 
Yeah. Uh, whether you like the Bond movies or not, I think that it was it was a tribute to her yeah. uh, importance at the time as a star. And the other thing I have to say about Michelle Yeoh is the fact that she's getting this kind of these different roles as a lot of other women were retiring. Because mm -hmm. additionally, if you look at uh, other women who you know came to prominence in Hong Kong, they oftentimes retire when they're you know in their forties, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. keeps going. And she's you know still at the top of her game right now, you know, yeah. in right. these yeah. kinds of films, you know, playing and everything everywhere all at once. So exactly. you have to give her credit for not only her versatility and her ability to grow into a, a wide variety of roles but also the fact that she has staying power and that yeah. exactly. the fact that she's been injured. I mean, if you look at Akam, if you look at the stunt woman, yeah, film, at the she end. was yeah. killed in that. Her, yeah. Jumping off the bridge. Yeah. She had a huge back injury because of the stunt on the bridge that yeah. went wrong. Um, yeah. That's still shown in the film. I mean, it was one of the, I think the, the, that probably marked the end of that kind of stunt performance or the beginning of the end of that kind of stunt performance, that kind of daredevil Jackie Chan stunt performance. Uh, if you want to mark the beginning of the end of it, you look at Akam, look at Stunt Woman, and you can see it on screen. And that the industry had to change and that the performers were demanding a change and that the performers' bodies, even if the performers themselves weren't demanding it, the performers' aging bodies were demanding yeah. So, and she's done quite well with that. I mean, I'd say that she's done better than a lot, uh, than most of the men have in terms of definitely, definitely uh, work across industries, work across borders, yeah. work across languages. genres. Yeah. So versatile. Mm -hmm. Extremely versatile. So when you look at that, you have to admire her. Yes, because she's definitely, yeah. a, I think, a great role model. I mean, not just for women or Asian, but for anybody, for men, for men as well. Definitely. I mean, mm -hmm. many male actors, they get stuck in certain roles in certain genres, mm -hmm. right? She showed that, no, yeah. I don't need to be a, I don't need to be a stunt performer. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't need to be a martial artist. Yeah. I can't do anything. Right. I mean, if you look at the Soom sisters as well, that's another great drama, yes. historical drama, yes. right? With Maggie Chang yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's done quite well. And then also, I'd say her humor. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing that you know, I know a lot of people. There's mixed feelings often about uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. But I say I still think that she's really going back to her, her to her roots in kung fu comedy. And, you know, oh, yes. you know, if, you know, going back to Yes, Madam, going back to those roots and right. really <laughs> the timing, yes. because the relationship between comic timing and martial arts timing is something that I think is characteristic of Hong Kong cinema and often undervalued because mm. of Hong Kong comedy. What makes it so funny is the fact that the timing is so perfect. And what makes martial arts films so perfect in Hong Kong also is the fact the timing is so wonderful. And it's that relationship between screen time and then performance time. So it's mm -hmm. not just the director and the camera people. Uh, it's also the performer and the choreographer that have to have such a perfect understanding of what's going on and hit those humorous moments when you hit that martial arts, you know, uh, a perfect punch or that perfect kick, whatever, 
when you get that perfect moment and everything's in balance and the characters are working together, it's just a thing of beauty. And you look at something like everything everywhere all at once and you look at some of the scenes that she has and she's just still wonderful with that kind of sense of timing and where the camera is, where she's looking, the relationship that she has with her own body and space and then with what the director may or may not want and what the other actors are also giving her. It's just a, you know, it's a thing of beauty. That skill, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't learn it overnight. That's a skill that she's (laughs) been developing for literally decades. And it's, uh, she, I have, you have to give her credit. Yeah. That's really nice way to put it. Like everything, everywhere, all at once is in that sense is like a love letter to Hong Kong cinema and a yeah. love letter to, to her experience within that industry yeah. Yeah, during think, that period. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think people haven't talked about it that way enough, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I saw it first, I thought, oh, it looks like a Stephen Chow movie to me. You know, <laughs> mm. One of those feelings, like a similar feeling to Crouching Tiger, where it's obviously yeah. Yang Lee loves Hong Kong film and is doing a tribute to it that um audiences outside of hong kong and understand same way with everything everywhere i thought gosh this is a film that's really like a tribute yeah. to stephen chow you know it's like mm-hmm. the same kind right. of humor <laughs> the same kind of love stephen chow loved bruce lee and you know still loves exactly. bruce yeah, i'm a totally. huge fan of bruce lee loves martial arts films mm-hmm. uh but just sees them as comedy he doesn't see them as you know um strictly heroic sagas he sees them as comedy and of course bruce lee had a a wonderfully developed sense of humor too that people sometimes ignore um the way of the dragon dragon. there was like humor in there he makes fun of his character all the time and you know a lot of this kind of sense of the working class guy not being able to you know handle a world in which he's a fish out of water i mean he had a really Mm -hmm. beautiful sense of that in way of the dragon Mm -hmm. And I mm-hmm. think you see a lot of that kind of humor come out in everything everywhere. That kind of going back into the kind of yeah. martial arts comedy tradition, going back, you know, even before Jackie Chan, even before all that, going mm-hmm. back to this kind of craziness, you know, crazy, imaginative, almost surreal yeah. quality that a lot of the Hong Kong films had in the earliest days and bringing out that humor and bringing out that kind of, um, of a real um, uh, love of the performer, love of the performance, yeah. love of the, what the human body can do. Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Michelle Yeoh is perfect. I mean, she obviously perfectly embodies that. Yeah. It, it's really nice seeing her career culminate to this big moment of recognition, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Michelle is definitely, I yeah. would say, an all-encompassing figure. I mean, very different yeah. from any other one out there at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more power to her. I'm, you know, happy to see her get all of the exactly. yeah, absolutely. attention and she obviously loves it. So mm-hmm. say if there was, you know, because our show, we want to get people more excited about some of the old kind of past movies um, from Hong Kong's past and present. Yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the movies that you would recommend that are defining in terms of the female actress or female character, like we mentioned, come drink with me, uh, in terms of the woman warrior, but what are some other milestone films, um, in other genres? Sure. Let me, let me switch gears a little bit and recommend, uh, films made by women. 
about. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, that's well, great, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been talking yeah. a lot about primarily films made by men about women. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. there are a lot of films. We've met, We've mentioned one. We mentioned Anne Poy's, uh The Stunt Woman, which I highly recommend. But maybe, you Beautiful know, kind film. of going back uh, a little bit in history. I know you guys don't want to go all the way back. I mean, it could go all the way back to the silent era. And Feel talk free. About, um, <laughs> we would love very to. Long <laughs> story of uh, Hong Kong, uh, which which was from 1916. It's only right. a fragment, but you know, people have to remember that Chinese women, like Marion Wong, have been making mm-hmm. films since the silent era, and people don't know or may not realize the first film that Bruce Lee was ever in was made by a woman, Esther Ong. Oh, and he played wow. a little yeah, baby yeah. girl in it. <laughs> he yeah. was the Golden Gate mm-hmm. Girl. Yeah, yeah. In the Golden Gate Girl film, he played the baby girl. Oh, very so, cool. I mean, you so, have to just write these women kind of back into Hong Kong movie history. Yeah, so influential. Yeah, they're very influential. When you look, too, at the Hong Kong New Wave, even before the New Wave, filmmaker Tang Shishuan made a film called The Arch in 1968, which was an international mm-hmm. production. She was also... At, like many of the new wave directors, educated mm-hmm. outside of Asia. She went to school at USC in California. A lot of people point to the arch because it was kind of anti-feudal and showed how feudalism suppressed women. Uh, starred Lisa Liu, who's also, once again, a huge career revival with her role in films like um, Crazy Rich Asians and what have you. We've got to go back and say, well, here is, you know, a film made by a woman in the 60s that was really in conversation with international art cinema of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, Anne Hoy came really with the new wave. Uh, the new wave began in, in 1979, and her film, The Secret, is one of the first films made as part of the new wave with Sylvia Zhang, also a wonderful yeah. director as well as actress. So I highly recommend The Secret for people who haven't seen it. If you like kind mm-hmm. of unusual kind of crime stories with, you know, cinema in, in Hong Kong, kind of ghostly crime stories with this kind of twist, The Secret is a really fine film. Uh, I also, you know, uh, have to point to, of course, the Shaw Brothers movies, because mm-hmm. Celestial yeah. is here. And many mm-hmm. women did work for Shaw Brothers as directors. And oh, okay. uh, kind of more, uh, you know, slightly more uh, contemporary era, uh, including, uh, of course, Mabel Jung made her first film, oh, Illegal Immigrant. I love Shaw Mabel Jung. <laughs> and, of course, um, Autumn's Tale, I believe, is a yeah. Shaw Brothers yeah, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my favorite, but I have got to say my favorite, is Andy, Angie Chan's My Name Ain't Susie, a Shaw oh. Brothers film oh, from wow. 1980. Which I, okay. I I hear from her was not easy to make at the studio at the time. Oh. <laughs> had some difficulties with the Shaw organization, but boy, is it a wonderful film! What is that movie yeah, about? Absolutely, it's a answer to the world of Susie Wong. So it's a film of, made from a woman's perspective mm-hmm. about you know what is. Let's take the romance out of the world of Susie Wong. And let's put oh. more of the real mean streets of Hong Kong into it and oh, show wow. how bad <laughs> things are for women in Hong Kong. Um, oh, wow. Women who are, you know, working in uh, the sex trade. Um, oh. And one of Anthony Wong's, I believe it's his first major role. And he plays, of 
course, instead of the, you know, white man in her life, he plays the biracial man because he is biracial. The biracial mm -hmm. man who ruins, of course, the uh, the prostitute's life rather than saving her as Susie is saved by William Holden in the original film. So it's a wonderful film that really talks back to Hollywood and talks back to men about the way women are portrayed wow. mm -hmm. on screen as, you know, sex workers and as sex objects. So I highly recommend yep. that film. Great. And once again, available mm -hmm. through, hopefully still through Celestial and their mm -hmm. wonderful Shaw Brothers catalog. Um, mm -hmm. And then also for people who are more interested in kind of the, you know, real feminist angle and feminist lesbian mm -hmm. films, I highly recommend uh, Yao Ching's Ho Yuk, Let's Love Hong Kong, which is a low budget okay. indie film, which is the first feature film first feature lesbian film by a lesbian filmmaker made in Hong mm -hmm. Kong that, uh, any, that I highly recommend. Uh, and that's from oh, 2002. Excellent. Yeah. So those yeah, are some I, I, recommendations. Yeah. I love that's the right. film. Yeah. Mabel Chang is, uh, sorry, you go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say women, of course, right now are continuing to make wonderful, wonderful films. And, you know, uh, for art films, I recommend Flora Lau's Benz and Hoy is a simple life. Is not only about oh, old women, but movie. Also about yeah. the film industry. Yes. Oh, Denny Yip is wonderful in it, isn't yeah. she? She's fabulous yeah, yeah. in it. Amazing. And won an Amazing. award in Venice for her role in that film. So I highly recommend yeah, yeah. that film, not only because it's being about women, but because it's about the movie industry. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Andy Andy Lau is fabulous playing the yeah, yeah. Uh, this film maker, this kind of producer screenwriter. Yeah. Uh, and you get to see a lot behind the scenes of what people are really going through in the industry today, working yes. between Hong Kong and Beijing. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, you see Choi Hark, I think, and Sammo Hung as well in a short yeah, scene, right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choi Hark and Sammo Hung are, have a cameo in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. And I mean, I, I, and I love, I have to say, I love the fact that you mentioned Mabel Chern because she's like, uh, I would say together with Anne Hui, my all-time favorite. Um, she's, she's a great script writer. She wrote, actually, interesting, she, she wrote um, a movie about men when she did Painted Faces. Painted Faces is That's my right. favorite Sammo Hong drama. Great performance by uh -huh. Sammo. And th that was written by, yeah, by a woman, Mabel Chern. And then she also did um, the script for Eight Tires of Gold. That's right. And her husband directed it. She she directed Eight Tales of Gold. Exactly, yeah. Samuel Hung yes. was in both. Samuel Hung plays his own Sifu in yes. uh in painted in painted faces, which is, you know, based on their life together with Jackie Chan, Samuel Hung, exactly. uh, UN Biao, all of si the group Fu. that grew up together in the uh, martial arts Beijing Opera School that they yes. all were in. And it it's really kind of a raw story. I mean, he plays he plays the Sifu as, you know, kind of a tough character. Mm -hmm. and, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful yeah. film. Sad to say, Alex uh, is, has passed just away. passed away about a yes. year and a half ago. Uh, and Mabel Jung, sad to say, is having a lot of difficulty with a film I hear is quite good, which is a letter to my 17-year-old self that's been... Oh, uh, yes, the latest. Uh, the, her latest film, a documentary looking at the lives over uh, over 10 years of uh, young women growing up, going to her old secondary school. No, oh, Yinghua, the one with um, yeah, Yinghua movie. Yeah, Yinghua. Yeah, 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 yeah. She had to pull it because the women involved in the film complained that they yeah. were being used uh, in a way that they hadn't agreed to. 
So yeah, sad to exactly. say now that she's having these difficulties. Yeah, it's been exactly. a very hard couple of years now for her. Yeah, actually, Yinghua Girls School is where my mom uh, went to uh, school. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, middle and high school. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of sad to hear about that, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of controversy um, on that movie. Uh, yeah, I hope that, that yeah. she's able to re-edit it or come to an agreement with the young yeah. woman, and I hope your mom gets to see it. Maybe we can do another yeah. show with your mom. <laughs> she would enjoy that <laughs> yeah so i guess we're kind of nearing the end you know thank you so much gina for for being with Definitely. us today yes. um and i understand that you have a mooc uh that is open and available let um, me just how, say how a people... couple of words about that yeah and how yeah, people can, yeah. can more, still yeah. do it yeah mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a mooc is a massive open online course so it's uh, free for you to enjoy. Just hit audit. If you mm -hmm. want a certificate, you can pay a few dollars to edX, which is the pr platform that hosts it. But it's mainly mm -hmm. under the auspices of uh, University of Hong Kong and mm -hmm. um, you know, part of its uh, outreach program to the world. And uh, it's self-paced, so you can start it at any time that you like and do as much as you like or as little as you like. Um, awesome. There's yeah. uh, six, six lessons. Uh, Jack mm -hmm. Chan, uh, Bruce Lee, uh, oh, cool. John Woo, uh, wow. Maple Jones, uh, Autumn Star, wow, yeah. uh, Infernal Affairs, and it ends with In the Mood for Love and Wong Kar Wai. Fantastic. So if you wow, want to wow, wow. Yeah, that's dig great. deep into those six areas of Hong Kong film and a lot of good discussion and hear me talk a lot more, but also hear from mm -hmm. my co-teachers, um, Aaron Mangan Park and uh, Stacy Ford, I highly recommend that you just check it out. Just type in Hong Kong Cinema Through a Global Lens and uh, the MOOC will come up for you. The other thing I highly recommend that you mm -hmm. check out is I have a website uh, called mm -hmm. Hong Kong Women Filmmakers. It's a listing mm -hmm. of Hong Kong women who are alive and active and working between 1997 to the present, mm -hmm. uh, or really 1997 to 2020 is when I really cut off. If you're interested in finding out more about women in the industry, this is an index that features a lot of the women working across genres, experimental film documentary, as well as feature film, working mm -hmm. primarily as directors, but also we have some script writers and editors and producers listed as well. So if you want to learn more about wow. women in the industry, please check that out too. All you have to do is Google women, Hong Kong women filmmakers, and the site will come up first thing on Google. Oh, that's great. Okay. That's such a great, great resource yeah. for people. Okay. Yeah. One last Absolutely. thing too. Uh, Hong Kong Cinemagique, if you type that in, if you're a French speaker, and uh, uh, most of the site's in French, but there's also quite a bit in English, I highly recommend that yeah. as a resource I know for people one. who love classic Hong Kong cinema. Hong Kong Cinemagique. Yeah. Great website. Excellent. Yeah, we, we're going to have some like show notes, so we'll definitely include that in the show notes that people can definitely visit those websites and, and the course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very cool. Very Definitely. cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. Great. Thank you very much, Gina. Yeah. Reach yeah, out to so me much, at Gina. Pratt Institute. We've got an MA, so come study with us if you want. Find out Definitely. more about Hong Kong. <laughs> just Definitely. you know, get a degree while you're doing it. So just Google me and and Google Pratt, and would love to have you guys study with me at some stage of the game. One of your listeners oh, might come absolutely. over here and say, "I heard oh, yeah. I found about yeah. about you and Pratt on 
your show. So thanks for doing this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> thanks that, for that'd, you. That'd be great. Like we thanks should have, you. we should, we should have like those, uh, you know, on YouTube, they have like those, those, uh, you know, you mentioned this code and then you get like a discount. Yeah. I have to mention this code and try yeah. for a scholarship. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Gina. Yeah. Sure. Thank okay. you very much, Gina. If you like some of the movies we talked about and are around Southeast Asia, be sure to check out Celestial Movies, CCM, and our other services via our website. Celestial Movies is Asia's leading premium Chinese movie service, bringing you exclusive and first-run movies throughout the year with the biggest Hong Kong and Chinese stars and the biggest blockbusters. While CCM brings you the most iconic films from the renowned Shaw Brothers studio, showcasing remastered blockbusters from the golden age of Hong Kong cinema. Thank you for tuning in. For more information on this episode and other episodes, please visit our website at thewayintothedragon.com. You can follow us on social media by searching The Way Into the Dragon. And please rate, review, and follow our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Take care and catch you on the next one. The references to any products, services linked to third parties or other information by the speakers in this podcast does not constitute or imply its endorsement, sponsorship or recommendation by Celestial Tiger Entertainment. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Celestial.